And because um, I was one of the leaders, I got a, like, I was on the WhatsApp group with lots of people sharing their stories and their pictures and stuff. And it was a really exciting evening yesterday, just watching as update after update came on of all the different projects that were happening. So I just wanted to share a few stories of, um, yeah, from the day itself. Um, for those of you that don't know what Love Cardiff is, so it was about 18, I think it was 18 projects that ran all around the city. Some of them were like practical stuff, decorating people's homes, gardens, uh, maybe um, through people we've met through our Restore ministry, our Compassion ministry. Um, some of the stuff was going out, praying for people. We did some family-friendly events. Loads of different bits of bobs all around the city. Um, we call it Love Cardiff because we want to um, show Cardiff that, that God loves this city and that we love it too and we wanted to serve the city for a day. So here's some of the stories that came in from the different projects. And this is the first one from the project was called Sharing the Love in Lanishan. And um, they said this, when giving love hearts to a bunch of teenage boys and we explained to them, we're just spreading some love today. One of them asked, well, where do you get your love from? The simple question and simple answer, Jesus. We had a great morning. What about this one? We said, we had a great afternoon. Um... Oh, no, one of them's mine too. Um, we had a great afternoon um, with two treasure hunting groups on Albany Road. One lady experienced healing in her back. Lots of people received prayer and some wonderful kingdom stories. Praise God. Um, this one from Ely. And the team in Ely having picked, picked up 16 bags of rubbish. And they spoke to dozens of people, prayed for many, and made a huge difference in the area. Just gathering all the stories, but they include praying for, he for healing for multiple people, explaining Jesus to a group of children, praying for broken families, and sharing the love of Jesus with many. Amazing. Um, I was part of, there was a big one down at Roth Rec, with like a family one, loads of us took our kids down. And this is from um, the other Alice who was running the project. We had such a great time in Roth Rec, 120 sunflower seeds potted by children in the park. We had like a little, like a table out and people, kids could come and plot a sunflower, a sunflower seed for themselves and then one for their friend to take them away. 100 balloons given away, mostly by the kids on team. Um, so many brilliant conversations, people prayed for, families invited to church. And you know what? Quite a few of those families came this morning to our service this morning. It was amazing. Uh, the sun shone and it was glorious. It was. Um, and then the last one, we did like a storehouse super Saturday. Our storehouse is a project that runs the, um, you know, throughout the year, giving out furniture and household items to families in need across Cardiff. And they did like a super Saturday. So like the most amount of stuff going around Cardiff. Um, and Justin sent in this. Around 50 items delivered via f five full vans of furniture to families in so much need. Teams still had time to linger with lots of great conversations along the way, such that we overran significantly, but the team kept going with a smile and heart for those with so little. Plus, Storehouse itself has been so blessed with offers of furniture that it is still overflowing with so much more to be done. Isn't that amazing? That's just some of the stories uh, from the weekend. And it kind of ties in well because this is the last uh, week of our final of our uh, series, Kingdom Carriers. This is the final instalment, um, and it's been kind of a few. It's been a long series, hasn't it? Someone said to me recently, "Is it still going?" I was like, "Yes." I took that to be a good thing. It's still going. Yes. <laughs> um, we started a couple of months ago, and this is the final one. And um, I wanted to start this evening by doing a bit of a recap of where we've gone and where we were kind of then going to go this evening. So kind of buckle in. Here we go. This is what I think is a recap of the Kingdom Carriers series. I've tried my best. We started by looking at what the kingdom is. 
Maybe you're here this evening and you, don't, you know, have never heard that phrase. And we're going to talk about the kingdom or the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. We're talking about the same thing every time. And to put it simply, the kingdom of God is where God's rule and reign happens. It's where God's priorities happen. It's where um, we see heaven touching earth. You know, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we pray that, we're praying to see God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And in those moments, we get to see God's priorities I don't know about you, but I always find it really, really encouraging that when the kingdom of God comes, this is the kind of stuff that we see. This is what our God looks like. These are his priorities. The, the sick get healed. The broken get restored. Hope is given again. Lives have a purpose. We see the miraculous. That is what our God looks like. That is what our good God looks like. The kingdom is good. The kingdom is exciting. It is magnificent. God is good. So we looked at the kingdom, and then we looked at um, how we've been given authority by God. That will always be the week where Paul gave someone a tenor. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, looked at how we carry the authority of the king, that God has given us his authority to go and extend the kingdom on his behalf. And we get to extend the kingdom wherever we go. And we looked at what it looks like to have a kingdom mindset. You know, what does it look like to, in the everyday, be looking to extend the kingdom um, in the world around us, in the communities in which we find ourselves? We had a week where we looked at how our authority, um, knowing our authority to extend the kingdom, that that principally comes from a place of intimacy with God, that that is an overflow of our relationship with God. Um, and that comes, um, one of the best ways to develop that kind of intimacy with Jesus is from a place of prayer and spending time with Jesus and asking his heart for the city, asking his heart um, to guide us through the day in extending the kingdom. Um, we looked at, we had a week where we looked at revival. And by revival, we were looking at times when particularly the kingdom of God has broken in in terms of church history with, you know, spectacular um, effect where we've seen, you know, where the, the church has seen multiple hundreds, thousands of people come to faith. We had a week where we looked at that. And then we had a week where we did interviews and we heard from people in our community. And we were asking them the question, you know, how is it um, that you've seen the kingdom of God work in your life? Where is it that you have influence? Where is it that you are extending the kingdom? And that was an amazing week of hearing from people in this community of their stories of what God is doing in their lives and what they feel the call is on their life. And then in the last couple of weeks, we've, um, we've looked at how extending the kingdom involves both proclamation, so declaring who Jesus is, um, and demonstration, so seeing the power of, of the kingdom break in. You know, through Paul uh, last week uh, spoke on healing. We looked at uh, how to pray for people for healing. And um, yeah, and it, you know, it's not limited to that, but moments where we see the supernatural break in. Wow, that's it. Did I miss anything out? No, good. Okay, it's been epic. And you know what, for me, um, you know, sometimes when you're writing a preach, sometimes you're like, that is what I'm going to speak on. But for me, the last couple of weeks, I'm thinking, you know, what is it that, that the Lord would have me preach on that Jesus is putting on my heart to share this evening? Um, it's been a bit of a wrestle on how to kind of finish and land this series. And I've been kind of praying, Lord, what is it you'd have me say? So what I want to share this evening is what I feel that Jesus put on my heart, particularly to us as a community here in Cardiff Central. What is it the Lord was speaking to us about? And what, what I've seen that um, God doing among us and where I think he wants to lead us into. So in finishing this series, I want to finish with this question. Do we understand our identity as kingdom carriers? Do we understand our identity as kingdom carriers? Or to put it simply, do you see yourself as a kingdom carrier? Do you see yourself as a kingdom carrier? 
Because unless we do, then this series is maybe a nice idea, maybe it's a visionary of where we could go, but actually maybe it's not going to affect any change in our lives. Unless we understand that this is our identity, that we are kingdom carriers, and that God is calling this church to be a people that carry the kingdom into this city and beyond. You know, the extent to which we understand our identity as kingdom carriers, you know, both as a community and then as individuals making up this community, the extent to which we understand that identity is the extent to which we will um, live lives of kingdom impact, the extent to which we will see the kingdom extended as we go about our daily lives. We have to understand that we have to make it a priority, understanding and living out of that identity. You know, that will affect how we live, the decisions we make, the way we prioritize our time, our money, and so on. Um, And as I've been preparing this evening and thinking about what passage to preach from, um, and knowing this was kind of the day after Love Cardiff, um, I was drawn again back to the moment where Jesus calls in his disciples to him, his 12 disciples, and he commissions them to go and be kingdom carriers. We've looked at this uh, text throughout the series, but I felt God bring us back to it again for one last time in this series. So it's Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, and then I'm going to read to 10, chapter 10, verse 8. It's going to come up behind me, but you can find it in your Bibles if you'd like to. Okay. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And then chapter 10, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. And then there's a list of these 12 names. And then I'll go down to verse 5. These 12, Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. And just to pause there, if you're reading that, you're thinking, that's not very nice. What about the Gentiles and the Samaritans? Their calling first was to demonstrate the kingdom amongst the Jews. And then that would overspill and impact um, the Gentiles and the Samaritans. So they're not going to be left out. Don't worry. Um, Carrying on in verse 7, as you go, proclaim this message, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. And I love how the difference between these two chapters, how it's kind of like these two distinct sections. You know, the chapter 9, the end of chapter 9, the focus is on Jesus, isn't it? He's going from, from town to town, village to village, and we see him being a kingdom carrier. You know, he is proclaiming that the kingdom is near. He is healing people. He is driving out demons. And he's basically proclaiming and demonstrating the kingdom of God. And in that moment, he is setting, the disciples would have been with him, and he is setting the example for his disciples. So the passage begins with this focus on Jesus. And I think that's where we need to begin in terms of understanding our identity. It begins with Jesus. We are called primarily to be captivated by him, to be kingdom carriers. We're called to be captivated by him, to be kingdom carriers. Jesus was the ultimate kingdom carrier. He was the ultimate kingdom carrier. His whole life mission was to demonstrate the reality of the kingdom of God. That is what he was about. You know, if you look at the ministry of Jesus where the sick were healed, the broken restored, the marginalized were brought in, the power of the enemy broken, the ministry of Jesus. And that is our starting point, our identity as kingdom carriers, is found in Jesus, the ultimate kingdom carrier. He is our starting point. 
And his motivation needs to be our motivation. You know, what I love in those verses at the end of chapter 9 that we just read, we get a glimpse of his motivation, don't we? We see, the, we see Jesus as a man broken by the need around him. As he looks out, he just sees the need around him and he is broken. And he is full of compassion. It describes his heart as full of compassion because he sees that people were lost, that they are lost like sheep without a shepherd. Our, motiv- his, our motivation needs to be his motivation. Our motivation, like him, needs to be grounded in compassion for the lost by bring, being broken for the need that we see around, around us, seeing people as Jesus sees them. And you sense towards the end of chapter 9, the frustration, don't you, as Jesus looks out, as he sees the need around him, as he's broken by the lives that he sees around him. And he is frustrated because he's frustrated because he sees a full harvest and he sees that he hasn't got enough kingdom carriers. And his cry is, you know, the harvest is full, but there's not enough people to join me here. And so he prays. And what we see then in chapter 10, which we'll come on to in a minute, is he gathers in 12, his 12 disciples around them and commissions them to be kingdom carriers to help meet the needs. And then 72 after that and so on. He looked out and he saw a full harvest. I don't know about you, but when I think about that, I sometimes think, oh, that was for then. And I don't always realize that actually when, when we look at the needs of the city, that the harvest is also full that it is ready for a group of kingdom carriers to go and harvest it. I don't think we always see that. You might be like me. Sometimes I feel like the image I have is like the harvest now is a bit paltry. You know, people don't want to know. It's gone. The glory days have gone. No one wants to know anymore. Um, Years ago, well, a few couple of years ago, I went to a place called Hendra Wennell. Anyone here been to Hendra Wennell? Yeah, they go just the other mum in here, thanks. Um, (laughs) It's a fruit picking farm and it's out um, towards the Vale of Glamorgan. And it's a great place to take kids. And someone has said to me, oh, take your kids up there. It's a great day. Um, and uh, yeah, you go and just pick loads of strawberries, raspberries and all that kind of stuff. And so a friend of mine had been and she said, oh, off you go there. You know, go off. You, you know, she'd really go. So I was like, great. And I spent the whole kind of, you know, uh, kind of early summer thinking, yes, okay, I'll go this Saturday. Oh, no, I can't go. Okay, next Saturday, no, can't go. And eventually got to going towards the end of July and I turned up. And the harvest was paltry. <laughs> there really wasn't much left. There was, you know, a couple of strawberries. And I was with my kids and I was like, we were just picking them off the floor. You know, I know it's super squashy, but don't worry. Let's just put them in. You know, we just literally got to make the best of what's left. And we kind of picked them and then, you know, paid a pound for the amount that we'd managed to find. And off we went. So I was like, right. So then last year I cottoned on. I was like, we need to go early. So uh, kind of mid-May last year. Oh, in fact, now. Oh, right. <laughs> now. <laughs> See you later. I think they're shut right now. How is it mid-May? Anyway, um, off I went. I went with my youngest and a couple of other mum friends and their kids. And boy, was there a lot of stuff to be picked. So we were like, you know, the thing I hadn't really kind of thought, what I thought would be like a morning's activity, when there's a lot of stuff to be picked, it literally takes about 10 seconds. So my youngest had like filled this punnet with the most amount of strawberries and then we did raspberries. I'd also not really thought how much that was going to cost. <laughs> it's definitely a premium up in Hendra Wennell. And so they put them through. But then, do you know what? Actually, as it turned out, I'd actually forgotten my wallet. So my friend had to pay for it all. <laughs> True. And as I said that this morning, I realized I'd never actually paid her back. Anyway, I know. Oops-a-daisy. I know. Oh, gosh, you all turned. Sorry. Okay. And, uh, but the harvest was full. There was loads of it. We couldn't get enough of it. How do you see the harvest? Do you see it like the year that I went and there was nothing left? Or do you see that the harvest is full? And it matters how we see the harvest. Because if we think that, um, that it's all gone, that there's not that much there, then we don't need to be kingdom carriers. And there's no need. We can just have a few people share stories. 
We don't all need to be part of this. But if we realize that the, that the harvest is full, if we realize that there are people out there that want to know Jesus, you know, I think people are asking questions. I think people are like despondent because they see political systems that don't work. They see romantic lives that aren't working. They see everything they've put their trust in just isn't working. You know, I chatted to this mum this week in the park, chatting to her, and she was take, telling me about the internet dating that she did. And she was telling me how, um, how she had um, kind of met this guy, and he basically then on the second date came in his car and was expecting her just to drive off in his car and have sex with him in, her, in his car. And she said no. And he was like, oh, he's so uptight, and just left her there. And I was talking to her, and I just thought, oh, do you know what? You're despairing because you're putting your kind of trust, you're putting your hope in romantic love and it's just not fulfilling. And she was broken by it. And I think that is the case for so many people. The harvest is full. People are asking questions. Now, okay, they might not be asking about religion. That's okay. They might not be asking loads about Christianity. That's okay. But I think they are asking for questions. They are asking for purpose, for destiny. And Jesus has those answers. The harvest is full. If we see people as Jesus sees them, as people of worth, that have purpose, that we have created, that need to know their Heavenly Father, that need to know that they are deeply loved, that are deeply valuable. If we understand that, then we all opt in, we all get to be harvesters. And that is a great prayer to pray, you know, Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours. Show me the harvest. Our identity as kingdom carriers is rooted in Jesus when we understand his kingdom carrier heart, his kingdom carrier heart, and the invitation this evening for us just to have a glimpse of that kingdom carrier heart of Jesus and let that shape our identity. So as I said, Jesus is frustrated at the end of chapter nine because he's like, he sees the need and he sees that the need is so great and he calls these 12 disciples in and in that moment, he gives them authority. He says, you know, the authority that I've been given, I give you, now go. He calls them to be harvesters. And in this moment, kind of Jesus is almost passing on the kingdom baton to them and saying, now this is your turn. You know, freely you've received, now freely give. You know, he just kind of looks at them and says, your turn, you're up. <laughs> and I love the moment, I think if I was one of the disciples, I'd be like, really? I thought I just got to watch you doing it. <laughs> I have to go? Oh my goodness. Um, but in that moment, they're invited into the kingdom story. They get to play their part. They get to know what it's like when you pray for someone to know Jesus for the first time, to receive the kingdom of God, to pray for someone and see them healed, to pray and see their brokenness wash away. They got to be part of that. They just stopped being spectators and they got to actually be harvesters and be part of it. And you know, that baton that Jesus passed on to them in that moment, in that chapter, has been passed on from generation to generation. You know, men and women that have set their lives on this stuff, on being kingdom carriers, have spent their lives carrying the kingdom, extending the kingdom, who've not settled, who have risked everything. And I feel like this is our moment to be kingdom carriers. This is our moment. You know, if we don't do this stuff, if we don't extend the kingdom of God, then who will? This is our moment. And that's what this series has been about. You know, just as the disciples are being trained and equipped by Jesus, that's what this series has been about. Training and equipping us to then go, to take the baton and then go as a community. And that was the sense that I had as I was preparing this, that this is our time to take the baton and go, to be kingdom carriers. And if we don't do it, who will? And the other day I was walking back from the, the school drop-off and I just I was praying to God about, about this, this moment and, and doing this preach. And just I felt God really convict me and he just, just that moment of like, will you take your place? Will you take your place? 
And he was, and he was prompting me saying, you know, let's not be a generation that just spends our life on our phones, on social media. Let's not just waste our lives doing that. And it's funny because he, he kind of put that in my heart. And then I was driving to work and I was listening to Radio 4, as you do, when you get to a certain age. And um, they were talking, they were debating about this Christian um, theologian philosopher called Soren Kierkegaard, who is a uh, Danish philosopher. And um, they were just talking about it freely and they were kind of like unchristianizing it to talk about it on Radio 4. But they were sharing how um, he used to have this metaphor the, 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 this kind of picture that he liked to, to talk about life. And he was, he, Soren Kierkegaard used to talk about a house, a house of three levels, a basement, the next floor, and then the top floor. And he said, like, you know, imagine each level gets better and better. And the basement is just your kind of materialistic, everyday stuff of life, you know, your career, your money, your house, your stuff, that kind of thing. The next, the, the next one up is maybe a sense that there is more to life. Um, and then the final layer is life spent with Jesus. Um, and I would add, you know, partnering with him in extending the kingdom. And for Soren Kierkegaard, and yeah, his heart was broken because he was like, so many people buy a house and they just live in the basement. And I felt in that moment, that's what God put on my heart. You know, so many people buy a house and we just live in the basement. Let's not be a group of people that just live in the basement. Maybe go up to the next floor and think, yeah, actually, God, you are real, and I should really let that affect my life. But never actually live on the top floor, and that is a life spent with Jesus, partnering with him in extending the kingdom. Let's not just buy a house and live in the basement. Will we go? Will we go and be harvesters? You know, our kingdom identity, it's rooted in Jesus, and then it's realized when we go. It's only fully realized when we go. You know, it's amazing in these moments, in these environments, when we experience the kingdom, we experience his presence, we get to see his priorities, we see the supernatural break out. But actually, the kingdom of God is fully realized when we go. You know, when we go out, when we go to the prisons, when we go onto the streets of Cardiff, it's fully realized when we go. And that's a vision, the vision I have for us as a community here at Cardiff Central, that we would be a sent people, kingdom carriers, into the environments where we live and work and have influence. That we would realize we are ascent people and that might feel a bit daunting maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking but I haven't really got that much to give I love the parable that Jesus tells in Matthew 13 about the kingdom of God or he calls it the kingdom of heaven but it's the same thing don't worry um, it says this in verse 33 Jesus told them still another parable the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough I love that one sentence and yet it says so much and so this woman, we see this, this story, she takes a small amount of yeast and puts it into 60 pounds of flour. Now, this makes enough bread for about 100 people. So it's like a slightly silly story, if you know what I mean. It's like kind of a bonkers story. She makes ridiculous amounts of bread just with this small amount of yeast. And yeast in the Bible, when, you, when, when it's talked about or leaven or yeast, um, it's, always, it's, it's a metaphor for influence. You know, Jesus says, beware the yeast of the Pharisees. And that's what, um, what he's talking about is the influence of the religious people. Um, yeast is a metaphor for influence. And so Jesus here is telling a story about kingdom influence. And I felt that was relevant for us. You know, we might be sitting here thinking, you know, that you don't have much to offer. But in this picture, the, 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 the woman takes just a small amount of yeast and it has a vast amount of influence. God can take our resources, however small they feel, whatever stage you're at in your life, whether you're young, old, whether you've got loads to offer, whether you've not, whether you're in a stage where life is like great, you're thriving, or whether you're in a stage where life is hard and you feel like you're just struggling. God can take our resources and extend them for his kingdom. 
You know, I love the fact that so many revival stories of church history, um, so many of them, do you realize they started with like a couple of old ladies who, um, who thought, what can I do with the influence that I've got? And they sat in a room somewhere all around the world and they were just like, you know, at different stages in church history praying for revival. That's been the beginning of so many church revivals. And that's just, you know, two, you know, often in the um, Hebridean revival, two old ladies. And they just thought, what can I do with the influence that I've currently got? You know, and these aren't people that were running around all over the place doing a whole load of stuff. But they sat and they faithfully prayed. And that seemed to usher in a move of the spirit um, that changed that community. You know, I was chatting with someone in this church, um, in this part of this community this week, and she was talking about, you know, she's in a place in life right now where she's unable to work. She's been um, off work, diagnosed with a long-term illness, and she's unable to work at the moment. And, um, you know, it might be someone that you might look at and think, oh, what, you know, she, you, you might, you would, you, would for, you, would, you would forgive her for thinking, what am I trying to say? You'd forgive her for thinking that maybe she didn't have much to bring right now. But you know what? She is remarkable because she has been praying for the ladies on her street. And one by one, she's been constantly getting in touch with them, connecting with them, getting to know them. And she's got all of their phone numbers now. She just created a WhatsApp group for the ladies on her street. And she messaged me when I messaged her to say, can I talk about you? And she said, yeah, but you know, also next week we're all going out for a curry all together for the first time. And this is someone I trust, you know, I trust. If you knew her, you would be like, wow, that is remarkable of what she is doing at what is a really difficult time in her life. She's like, Lord, this is what I've got right now. How can you take it? And the Lord has taken the yeast that she had in that moment, the small amount, and he's mixed it in with a whole load of dough and she is having influence on her street. She's doing amazing stuff. A small amount goes a long way. Don't wait until you're in a good place, in a place where you feel like you've got loads of influence, where life is sorted, because that might never happen. Starts today. You know, he's calling you to start today using the resources he has given you. And what's interesting about yeast is on its own, it doesn't do anything. It has to kind of be in it to win it, you know. It has to be in the dough to do anything. We have to be sent. We have to go out and extend the kingdom if we want to see change around. We've got to be in it to win it. Now, uh, in, in the rest of Matthew's Gospels, so we get the moment which I read up to where Jesus commissions them and sends them out. Then he gives them a whole load of practical advice as they go. And then I was reading on, I was like, but where, where's the moment when they come back? <laughs> and it's not in there. But thankfully, it is in some of the other Gospels, the moment where Jesus sends them, and then they come back. And we read in uh, Luke 9, 10, and then also in Mark's Gospel 6, 30, if you're taking notes and want to, to have a look. Um, we're told that they return, and they return sharing stories of what they've seen God do. And I love the bit, in Luke's Gospel, later on, Jesus sends out an even bigger group of kingdom carriers. He sends out 72 of them this time. Um, and, uh, and they all go out, similar to the 12. And then they come back, and we read this in Luke 10, uh, verse 17. It says this, The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Oh, I love that. They, they go out. Um, they're sent out as kingdom carriers, and then they come back, and they return with joy. You know, I spoke a couple of weeks ago on Easter Sunday about how joy is the currency of the kingdom. You know, getting to do this stuff, being sent out, it is joyful. It is an adventure, but it is full of joy. And they return with joy. Um, they are euphoric. And I love the fact that as they come back triumphant, imagine 72 of them come back. And they're sharing stories. They went out in two. So I can imagine kind of a couple of them coming back and being like, oh, we prayed for this lady and this happened. And they were all like, yeah, great. And then another couple are like, oh, we prayed and the demons left this person. That's amazing. And this, we prayed for this guy with leprosy. He was healed. Can you imagine them sharing story after story, just like we've done this evening, story after story of what it looks like when the kingdom of God comes. And I can imagine Jesus in the middle of them, like he is here this evening in the middle of us, just smiling 
excited at a group of kingdom carriers coming back and sharing stories. Amazed. Those moments when you're like, God, you really are real. That is amazing. And he's just standing there smiling as they come back. And that moment for, the, for them, for the 72 as they've come back, or for the 12 when they first came back, I can imagine as they came back and as they shared stories, it would have been a moment of realizing even more fully their identity as kingdom carriers, of understanding that even more deeply. Our identity as kingdom carriers is deepened in community. You know, when as a community we come back together and we share stories, our identity is deepened even further. You know, because stories tell us about our identity, don't they? They remind us who we are and where we want to be. You know, and one of our church values is to be a kingdom carrier. That's why we've been doing this, this whole series. We've been looking at this. It's one of our church values. It's kind of what we are now, but it's also where we want to be as well. We want to step more into that. And so we are going to always be a community that shares stories of, of where we've seen the kingdom of God extended, of our kingdom stories. We always want to celebrate them together because that is part of who God is calling us to be as a community of kingdom carriers. Stories tell us about our identity. On my children's birthdays, I often each year when it comes around to their birthday, I often end up telling them on their birthday about the day they were born, about the story about what happened the day they were born. Obviously not the labour, I feel like I need to say. <laughs> I missed that bit out. But I do go into the details about, you know, for me, both my kids were like two weeks overdue. So I talk about how big I was, how impatient I was, how excited I was about them coming. I talk about the day that I went up to hospital. I talk about the, the first few family members that they met, came up to meet them. I talk about the day we put them in their little car seat and drove them home. We, we, we kind of got them out the other end and we took them around the house and showed them every room in the house and welcomed them into the house. And we tell that story to them every year on their birthday because it's part of who they are. It's part of their identity as being part of our family, those stories. Stories strengthen our identity. They help us remember who we are. And that's why we'll always try and share stories on a Sunday in our small groups. We want communities that share stories so that we would come back together, share stories to then go back out again. You know, that what we do on a Sunday wouldn't be the high point of the week, but it would be the point where we gather back together to share stories of what God's done, to then be sent back out to go and extend the kingdom, to come back together, to share stories, to be excited, to encourage each other, to celebrate each other, whatever the win, whether it looks like a success or a failure, just to celebrate, encourage each other, to be joyful together, and that we get to do this kingdom adventure together, and then to go back out, and then to come back, to be sent and to come back together as a community. That's the vision I have for us as a community to be a community that understand our identity as kingdom carriers, that we root our identity in Jesus, the ultimate kingdom carriers, that we realize it in going out and extending the kingdom, that whatever influence that we have, that we are kingdom carriers that come back and be community together and share stories and encourage and champion each other and therefore understand even more fully week on week our identity as kingdom carriers. Do you know you are a kingdom carrier? Do you understand that you are a kingdom carrier? I kind of wanted to end this evening just by having a little bit of time for us all just to reflect wherever we're at with this stuff. You know, it might be that you're just visiting this evening. It might be that you don't know what you think about Jesus yet. That's fine. Just, just take a moment to reflect on all you've heard. Um, I'd love, I think we've got a slide that says, I'm a kingdom carrier. I wanted to have that up. And you'll also see on our social media today, if you've looked on our Facebook or Twitter and all the other stuff, you'll see we've, we've done like a little wallpaper for your phone if you want to kind of take that and put it on your phone so that you can remind yourself throughout the week that this is the identity to which you've been called 
I am a kingdom carrier. You know, sometimes we just need those moments, don't we, where we kind of get our phone out in the week and be like, oh, yes, that little reminder. So I wanted to um, just have a moment with this slide behind me um, and just to have a little think. How are you going to let that, this identity shape you? How is this going to change you? You don't suddenly have to have a massive personality change. You know, God can take who you are, who he's created you to be, to extend his kingdom. It's not a heavy thing. This isn't taking up a massive burden or something else that you have to do. It's what you were designed to do. It's what you're designed to do. Um, when we live out of this uh, identity, it's that we can live lives that are much more intentional, lives that are much more purposeful. We become much more aware of the opportunities around us. We, or we can start to orientate our lives around this identity, letting it shape and form us. You know, we can start to, to step into the command that Jesus gives us. You know, Matthew 6, 33, one of my all-time favorite verses, you know, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. Let that be the priority of your life. Yeah, let's not live in the basement. Let's not be people that buy a beautiful house and just live in the basement. God has designed us for so much more than that. He has designed us to partner with him and extend the kingdom wherever we go, whatever environment we step into, with whatever um, influence that we have. So what is the next step for you? What is it going to look like for you? You know, for me, as I've been talking about it, you know, Matt and I had, my husband and I had like a long chat the other night. I was just that feeling frustrated of, oh, this has been such a great series going through this, but I want to see more. I want to see more people come to know Jesus. I want more opportunities to pray for people. So we're going to kind of, uh, my husband and I, we're going to go on this kind of own little journey with it of, of looking at what it looks like for us to go out and pray for more people. It's that super scary if you know me. <laughs> um, we're going to go and do that and kind of take a few people with us as we do that. What's, that's our next step. What's your next step going to be? What's the next step for you? Maybe it's to have influence on your street or the people that you live with. Maybe it's to tell the people you work with that you know Jesus. Maybe it's to invite them to church. You know, in a few weeks' time, we're going to do an invitation Sunday. You know, every week is invitation Sunday. We always want to invite people, but we're going to have a particular service where we're like, hey, invitation Sunday. Bring people along. Everyone bring someone with you. Maybe be thinking about who you can bring to that. Maybe you just, you just say, Lord, I want to spend every day this week starting my day praying that I would be able to partner with you in extending the kingdom that I would be awake, awakened to opportunities to do that this week. Maybe that's the next step. I'm not going to tell you what it is. They're just some suggestions. But I'm just going to have a moment, just have a moment of quiet, just to have a little think. And just ask Jesus to put on your heart, what is the next step? What is he calling you to? What is the next thing? As you step into this identity that you realize that you are a kingdom carrier. We'll just have a moment to be quiet. You might just want to think about writing that down. You know, maybe get your phone out, just pop it in your phone as a little reminder. Maybe think about who you can share it with. You know, if you've come with someone this evening, maybe share it with them or share it with the person sitting next to you. 
on the way home. Or, you know, I'd, I'd love to encourage small group leaders here. Maybe this week in your small group, I know it's the first one's back, so it'll be super intense. But ask anyway, say, what was it that God put on your heart? What is it you're going to do? How can we as a group support each other in doing those things and taking that next step with this? Should we stand? I'd love just to pray as we finish.